shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And we have the one, the only service member. I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> AKA. But that's okay. I feel honored and privileged now to have. Yes, AKA Robin. I think at first you were like, no, like, and then you embraced it. You yeah. learned to embrace the service member. So, my dear. Yes. You've been thinking about it. What's your damn song? I was talking about this with my sister on the way up here yesterday. And uh, I told her I was vacillating between Highway to Hell mm. and Shiny Happy People. Because I kind of go back and forth. <laughs> but I, honestly, I do. It's a weird, dumb song, but I do love Shiny Happy People. Oh, I was hoping you were going to go with the first one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Shiny happy but I am also a big ACDC fan. Yes. Highway to hell. Okay. Or Hell's Bells. Both yes. of those are good. Agreed. Hell's um, Bells is I was, It makes me think of Hotel California when I was a little kid. That I would. I don't know if I've shared this, but I would have to plug my ears when it said the part, like, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. As a little girl, like, that scared the shit out of me. Really? Yeah. Clearly disturbed. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly there were some issues going on if I had to. No. Yeah. yeah. And then also too, I remember when my, when I got old enough for my mom to like, would leave me at home for like, I don't know, like 20 minutes to go run to the store. I would walk around the house with all these huge kitchen knives. How old were you? I was probably like nine. Wow. <laughs> that makes my heart hurt for little Andrea. Yeah. And my prayers at night were, please don't let anybody kidnap me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Really happy go lucky gal. Um, okay. Carb. Potatoes. Potatoes. Like Sandra, just like a whole raw potato. Just no, yeah. like Hasselback potatoes, French fries, smashed potatoes, mashed potatoes. There is not a potato dish that I've ever eaten that I did not love. Love. I loved Sandra's uh, description of crispy on the outside, mashed potato on the inside. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cheese. Oh, also never met a cheese I didn't like. Um, I... I like a good, really sharp cheddar, like a white cheddar. What are your thoughts on bag cheese? <laughs> bag cheese? Yeah. Did you, uh, embrace did you, the bag. Did you? Oh see, yeah. Did you see that conversation? <laughs> uh, yeah. In the chat, I have bag, I have bag cheese. cheese that I purchased. Yes. What if we turn what those into purses? What if I repurpose them and sell them as merch? Bag cheese purses. I have seen purses <laughs> in Mexico that were made from re upcycled potato chip bags. So fuck yeah, okay. There's a market then. Bag cheese. I think bag. so. Bag cheese bags coming your way. Bag cheese uh, bags. Yeah, bag cheese bags. Um, condiment. Mayonnaise. Man, what? Are, how, let's talk brand. Oh, it has to be best foods. Okay, or can we talk about best foods? It's well, I don't think it's like on the East Coast. I feel like it's like. I wonder if there's a map that shows like where it's called best foods and 
Does people need to know this? A lot of people don't know this for some odd, weird reason. Well, I know. I think it was like a company that they acquired. Hellman's acquired them. But it's literally, guys, it's literally the exact same bottle design, the same damn thing, except for it says best foods instead of mayo. Hellman's. Hellman's. I wonder even the song. Do you remember "Bring on the best foods and bring on the best"? It's the same, except no, I don't remember that song. That you're young. Um, Okay, how did you find out you were an adult child? (sighs) When my mom started going to Al-Anon, I think I was probably. I think I was already out of the house. So I was like 18. I didn't really know what it meant. I didn't know, you know, that it had any connotations. I just knew that I was an adult child of an alcoholic. That's, that's literally all I knew. Like she told you that? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's my recollection, but who knows? Okay. But so then when did you um, realize what it meant? I think probably when I, when I started going to Al-Anon, um, I had a, a, a better inkling of what it meant, but I still, I didn't know anything about um, ACOA. I didn't know anything about the laundry list. I didn't know that there were separate groups for adult children. I didn't know that, um, that there were so many shared characteristics from, you know, core wounds. I didn't know any of that. Um, I just was going to Al-Anon. Um, and, and doing okay. I mean, I felt like I was, you know, progressing, but, uh, I still just didn't really know fully what it meant until I was listening to, um, the recovery show podcast that you were on. And when you were talking about it and I was like, you were talking about the laundry list. And I, I was like, oh, I should, maybe I should check that out. So I checked out the laundry list and I was like, fuck, I'm like 12 out of 14 of these things. Mm-hmm. And then I, I attended on Zoom a couple of adult child meetings. Um, and then I was like, oh, just suck it up, Robin, and damn the joint Patreon. Yeah. And then and your then life I, is never the same. Correct. <laughs> correct. I mean, I feel, honestly, I feel, I, I mean, sort of alternately like, wow. I, I, sometimes I think I'm more fucked up than I realized I was, which is not necessarily a bad thing because then it gives me things to work on. Um, but I'm also not alone and I'm not crazy. Yeah. And that actually is like a perfect segue into talking about your childhood and reminds me of a comment that you made. And then a video that I made in response to where for people like you and me to where it seems like it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as everyone else. So then why am I so fucked up? And the video I made was like, it's not about what specifically happened to us. It's about what we came to believe about ourselves as a result of what happened to us. And somebody experiencing emotional neglect and somebody experiencing you know, physical abuse both of those experiences can result in the belief that we are unworthy or unlovable, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Absolutely. do tell us. 
how I grew up. Yeah. Uh, so my mom got pregnant and usually how it starts. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I don't think this is with my birth father. Um, I don't think, uh, he really wanted to be a parent, but he got, they got married anyway. And slightly less than nine months later, my sister was born. Then two years later, I was born and I, I have literally, we were talking about this yesterday. I have literally no memories of my father, my birth father, none, neither does she. When did he leave the picture? Uh, I think I was about 18 months old when they got okay. divorced. But even prior to that, I don't think, I mean, he was a purser on like a merchant marine ship. I think he did whatever he could to just not be there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was talking about this in my group therapy the other day. I don't think I really realized how much that abandonment mm. actually affected me. Because mm -hmm. I was kind of like, you know, no big deal, whatever. Um, and then, yes, we are a fucked up family. My stepdad, who I refer to as my dad, because he's really the only father I've ever known. Um, he lived down the street with his wife and three kids while we lived, you know, not too far away. My mom, my dad, dad, my birth father and my, my sister dad. and I, my dad, and dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had, we had dad and then we had dad, daddy dad. Ken. Daddy Ken was our birth father. Um, but uh, my stepdad got divorced and was divorced for a while. Then my birth father was going to go off on some mission on this ship and basically said, you know, take care, take care, Hal, take care of my wife. Were oh, they friends? Them, all right. They were on the same bowling league together, both couples. Random. Ouch. So then... Um, my mom uh, established residency in Reno by going there for like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, several weeks in a row so that she could get a quickie divorce, mm -hmm. divorce my dad, my birth father, married my stepdad. That's the first time I've heard quickie used in that way. Oh, <laughs> yes. Quickie <laughs> divorce. I don't think you can do that anymore, but uh, I think you just had to do it for like six weekends and then you could, you could get a divorce. Um, and then... We, oh, fuck, we started moving. We, I have, I'm 61 years old and I have moved uh, 32 times since I was born. Some of it was as an adult, but, um, and I don't remember my dad drinking when I was, when I was young, like really little, we didn't really um, have any association with his, his kids until his daughter was 16 so this would have been when we were living in Idaho and I was nine. My sister was 11. My brother was born. And then about eight months later, my stepsister came to live with us with her baby. She was 15 when she got pregnant, 16 when she had a baby. Then her daughter. I mean, my, my sister, Denise, is seven years older than me. And she's already a great, great grandmother mm. because they all just kept having kids so young. Um, mm. But we I mean, my, I think. I think my dad, even though he wasn't drinking, he would still just do a geographic when things just didn't work out or shit hit the fan or whatever the fuck. I don't even know. I mean, I was a kid and we would just pack up our shit and move. I mean, and it was all the time. No warning, no nothing. Just, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we're moving. 
And then like, you know, three or four weeks later, we would move. Then I think around the time that we were in high school, I think that's when I started noticing that my dad was drinking Hmm. and drinking a lot more. He would go to this place (laughs) in freaking downtown San Jose. What was it called? God, bar open. They called it that, I think, just because the sign, it used to actually have a bar name, but the sign just was like such and such bar and then open open, and then the such and such, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Um, He and my mom got divorced. My sister moved out. I moved out. You know, I, I feel like sometimes it wasn't that bad, but my dad was just so freaking arbitrary. I mean he was obviously wounded himself how and why I don't really know his, his dad died when he was in high school. Don't know how, I don't remember. Um, and so he grew up kind of without a dad. Mm -hmm. Then, um, his whole family, we called them. Oh, my apologies to anybody who was like a big time bowler, but we called them the bowling alley people. The bowling alley people. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> oh god i mean they were fighting over my grandmother's shit like at their funeral at her funeral just yeah they were fucked up people my his my dad's sister died of emphysema and alcohol poisoning when she was like in her 40s hmm. yeah it was just i don't know anything about my birth father's family they they were from boston but Yeah, when we were just chatting before and just talking about how you never lived anywhere long enough to make friendships, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you, there was no possibility for you to like learn how to have intimacy or, you know, and just constantly talk about like with the moving so much. I mean, just talk about being in a state of hypervigilance, right? Oh, God. Absolutely. And, and, and that, and that also, it really super duper activated people pleasing and approval seeking because I wanted people to like me right away. I needed them to like me right away so that I could feel normal and accepted. And my sister, super shy. People always thought that she was stuck up. She's not, she's just painfully shy. Um, So I would be the one to go out and make friends and then bring them home and let her choose from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Just kind of talking about, about intimacy and, and friendships. Oh, I know what I was going to say before, um, before today, I think it was Wednesday afternoon. I, don't, I decided to take one of those quizzes so I could see what kind of attachment style it said mayo attachment style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, but um, apparently, and I guess this is no surprise. I am fearful. I'm fearful avoidant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's disorganized, Which, right? Uh, I don't sure. I don't know. I, think it is. I didn't get that far into the, into the PDF to read it all. <laughs> I just mostly wanted to see what it was just, just to fucking see what it was. Cause I've done the Myers Briggs thing to see what that is. And then we also did this, I don't know, some other personality thing for work, but, um, but yes, uh, that is definitely, uh, that is my MO. I mean, I will trust people so far, but that's it. And no further. And 
um, when I was, I don't know if it was, yeah, I think it was you. Um, you did a post, I think on Instagram um, where you were talking about sometimes not feeling safe feels more normal. Mm-hmm. Like to feel safe, feels scarier because, mm-hmm. because I've spent my entire life being hypervigilant and not being able to, to be intimate, like not sexually necessarily, but in an emotional way where I could really be vulnerable and, and trust that someone was going to still like me. And, and we were talking about this again yesterday, we we have deep talks on long drives. um, And we were talking about that, that really, I had never thought about it, but it stems from, like you said, that abandonment, that core wound that somehow I am inherently unworthy. Mm-hmm. And I think pretty much all of my character defects come from that and fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk about what led you into Al-Anon. Um, uh, well, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, he went through rehab a few times. I don't know that he ever achieved any lasting sobriety. He was still drinking when he died. Um, and then uh, I married an alcoholic. Shocking. And oh yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, I I knew he was an alcoholic, but I didn't know he was an alcoholic. I he reminded me so much of my dad, but only the good parts of my dad. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he wasn't the shitty parts of my dad. He wasn't the drinking parts of my dad. <laughs> right. Um, and little by little by little. And if anybody's listening, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how adjusted you are, how smart you are, shit can happen to you. And you can you can very slowly have your self-esteem whittled away in tiny, tiny, tiny increments. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the years, I went from being a fairly confident person. Um, I've always been outgoing, uh, again, still not trusting, but outgoing. And by the time I left, I mean, it just got to the point where it was so bad that I had to, I mean, I just, I had to, there was a line that got crossed and I could not stay there anymore, but fuck. I, I look back and this is where a lot of my shame comes from. I look at so many things that I, I did or actions that I took or things that I said that I didn't want to, that were debasing, embarrassing, shameful. They feel shameful um, so that I didn't have to be alone mm-hmm. so that he wouldn't leave me mm-hmm. because I thought I, I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Oh, hey, I'll tell you one of one of my most this is one of my most shameful memories of well, two. I have I have lots of shameful memories around let's just say around sexuality and sex with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um he cheated on me, then I was like, "Well, fuck you, I'm going to cheat on you too." Mm-hmm. So then I cheated on him and he didn't really care. He mm-hmm. thought, "Okay, well that's fun. Let's just have an open marriage." So mm-hmm. we, we, we did all of these things and I, I was just like, I thought, I don't know. I thought I, I, that I had to do whatever he wanted to do in order for him again to not leave me. And there were lots of things that I did that I 
didn't really want to do, but, but still ultimately I have to own that shit. It was my choice. Um, but, um, shit, I forgot where I was going with this. Don't get old. Shameful. Oh shit. Yes. There was one time (laughs) really close. It was, it was really near the end, really near when I left him. How long were you guys Um, together before you left? Almost 25 years. Holy shit. Should have been about 10 to 12, but <laughs> I months. stayed way too long. <laughs> 10 to 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I know my higher power knows me better than anybody else. And, you know, I I, I left when I was supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were times when, honestly, I just wanted him to pass out and shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Just pass out and shut the fuck up. So I would like... I would pour more alcohol in his glass, like mm-hmm. bigger drinks. So he would just, you know, pass Shut up out and pass sooner. the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I honestly, God, so fucking naive. I had no idea. I was like, how can he have two drinks and be fucking hammered? Like hammered. I didn't realize he was just fucking topping off. Yeah. Dude was like 5'7 and 165 pounds. So Yeah. <laughs> He couldn't process that much alcohol. By the time I left, he was drinking a half a fifth of crown every day, mm-hmm. but never in the morning. Never. Nope. Only at like oh, four o'clock. Definitely not an alcoholic then. Oh yeah, of course. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so it was one of those nights where I just wanted him to shut the fuck up and pass out. <laughs> so uh, he was walking from the room, like the living room where our TV was, and he had to go through the entry, which had hardwood floor to the down the hall to where the bedrooms were so the hardwood floor it's slippery right and he had socks on he didn't have any slippers or anything on and he slipped and i think he hit his head on the table Mm. and i couldn't rouse him and i thought he might be dead and i'm not gonna lie and this is very shameful but also hilarious in my mind sometimes I hesitated to pick up the phone and call 911 but then I did and I picked up the phone and called 911 and about I don't know a few minutes not even a few minutes probably a few seconds after I got somebody on the phone he we always called him fucking Larry Lazarus because he would like come up from he would fucking pass out at like six o'clock at night and then four hours later like wake back up again and start drinking again we're just like oh my god mm-hmm. but uh yeah so i did think about for a second just leaving him there i think everybody listening right now can fully understand that feeling it, i'm confident because i thought i mean just in that nanosecond i thought maybe then all my problems would be yeah, solved maybe i'll be okay yeah. And of course, you know, when I, once I left him, I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to Al-Anon. I don't have active alcoholism in my life anymore. I'm all good. Is it when you left was when you started to go to Al-Anon? No, I actually started going to Al-Anon just before I left uh-huh. his, his, his disease and his reaction to me going to Al-Anon escalated. I'm sure. Big time. And he touched me in anger He didn't hit me, but he grabbed me, physically grabbed me. And I turned around and I just looked at him and said, let go of me. And he was throwing furniture around in the backyard. And 
I walked away. I walked around the house. He got between me and the car. I had the keys. I, I knew I had at the time I was still smoking. So I had my cell phone, my cigarettes, the important shit, right? Mm-hmm. Cell phone, cigarettes, and my car keys in my pocket. And uh, I was outside in our smoking area having a cigarette. And he came out and he was screaming at me to get back in the house. We're not done, you know, yelling about this. And I'm like, I'm fucking done. But yeah. And so he grabbed me and and I left and I started walking down the street. And we lived kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And I saw him get in his truck and start the truck. And he was kind of like coming up the driveway looking for me. And I was hiding in the bushes of our neighbor's house. And I thought, what the actual fuck? Like, this is insane. This is insane. People don't live like this. This, yeah. And I never went back. Hmm. I mean, to get How many years ago was that? Uh, That was in 2013. No. Yeah. Yeah. 2013. Yeah. I started going to Al-Anon in March of 2013 and I left him in May of 2013. Well, then this is a perfect timing for you to share. It's 10 years since you started going to Al-Anon. Yeah. So let's also a perfect segue, like talk about the past 10 years, give me some like pivotal moments of growth or if you've had, you know, subsequent emotional bottoms, I mean, what has this journey been like for you? Um, I had not, I knew my mom had gone to Al-Anon. I had never been to an Al-Anon meeting. Um, I had one friend reach out to me. I think she had an inkling of how bad it was at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, we'd go to the bars and, you know, hang out with bar people. And this was one of the bar open people. No, well, I mean, it was the Joker pub or the J. We'd go to the J. The J. Um, it makes it sound oh, yeah. more sophisticated. <laughs> I don't know. It made us feel like we were with the cool people. Like Whatever. the W. <laughs> yes. So uh, she came over one time. I I invited her over to like a boxing match or something. And, and it was just, he was just being himself. And we went outside to have a smoke. And she was like, I'm going to an Al-Anon meeting on Sunday. Would you like to go? And I said, yes, I would. And she's like, would you, do you want me to come with you? And I said, yes, I do. So the two of us went together. She never, she never went to another Al-Anon meeting with me again, but that, that became my home group. And I just remember walking into the, that room and the, there were women in there that were laughing. And I was like, what the, like, how is that even possible? You live with alcoholics or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and, and honestly, now I'm one of those women. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I am not, I'm not healed ever. I will never be hundred percent healed. I, I probably will never stop going to Al-Anon because it's just too, too damn easy to sl- slip back into really shitty behaviors. Um, some pivotal things that I learned some of which, well, they're all good lessons, but a lot of them pissed me off. Um, when I when I fully accepted that I was powerless over alcohol mm-hmm. and that my life had become unmanageable, that was fine. I didn't have any problem with that. What I had a problem with was admitting that if I was powerless over alcohol, 
he was mm-hmm. just as powerless. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, because that for him, he's fucking choosing. He knows he has a problem, but he's just choosing not to do anything about it. And that pissed me off. Mm. I, I get it now. I mean, I probably will never fully get it because I'm not inside his head. Um, and it's not my job to take his inventory. Um, but I understand a little bit better now about the disease and the compulsion and, you know, what it is. Um, so learning that and and fully accepting that was was really hard. Um, I resented the shit out of him for a really long time. Um, and then I went to a day in Al-Anon once where they were talking about the definition of insanity and, and people were sharing on the topic and it was just like a light bulb had gone off because I had tried so many things. Maybe if I say it this way, maybe Mm -hmm. if I say it that way, maybe if I say it now, maybe if I say it later, maybe if I say it while he's drinking, maybe if I wait until he's not drinking, Mm -hmm. maybe if I wait till he has dinner, maybe if I don't, maybe if I get dinner on the tables, I mean, like all of these things, I had tried all of these things. And of course, with the same result, but expecting different results. And I realized that I had been living in insanity. It's like, wow. I mean, that was a huge revelation to me. Um, and then, and that also brought up a lot of shame for me because I felt like you're smart. You have a fucking genius IQ. You are extremely capable. Like how, how did you let this happen? Like, Mm -hmm. how could you stay with someone that was such a shit ass, you know, shit ass. Yes. Love that shit ass, y'all. Let's start using that. <laughs> I got it from it Reservation right Dogs. Love it. <laughs> he was a shit ass. So uh, I mean, to be fair, um, I don't know that I ever knew him as a sober person. So maybe, maybe he's not. But in addition to being a drunk... And he not was, a great one. He, he was, was a shit ass. He had questionable morals. And so he was kind of a shit ass. Oh, I oh Jesus, I hope my I hope my stepdaughter does not hear this fucking podcast. Oh, I don't know. It's quite an honor. We don't talk about her dad. We do yeah. I, I have a relationship with her. I'm still to her, I'm still her stepmom, even though her her dad and I have been divorced since 2015. I have a relationship with my grandson for which I am very grateful. Ooh, that was another, that was another big revelation, Andrea. And I think I shared it in one of the meetings and I probably pissed some people off. But when I said there's good news and bad news and the bad news is you've already fucked up your kids. Yes, yes, Because yes. you have. Yeah. And you didn't, you didn't know it. It's not your fault. You grew up the way you grew up because your parents were fucked up because mm-hmm. their parents were fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's the generational shit is so fascinating to me, Andrea. I love some of the deep dives that you've taken. And I mean, have you ever heard the story about, and I can't remember if I shared this in, in the Patreon group or in an Al-Anon group about the lady that um, she was making like a Christmas ham and she cut the end off and her daughter was like, well, why do you cut the end off? And she's like, I don't, I don't know. My mom always did. So she asked her mom, mom, why do, why do we always cut the end off? And she's like, oh, my mom always did. So it, it goes back and back and back. And it turns out that the first person that made the Christmas ham did not have an oven big enough 
mm. to put the ham in. But these are the kinds of things that get passed on and you don't know why. Like immigrants were, they came to the United States and they were encouraged to assimilate and stifle their culture and don't complain about things, you know. And, and then years later, these people, they're Americans now and have been Americans and they don't know why their emotions are suppressed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because generational trauma doesn't necessarily have to just come from alcoholism mm -hmm. or, or like, you know, mental health or addiction or that Abuse. kind of dysfunction, yeah. which obviously, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. And the more we try not to be our parents. Mm. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I honestly, for me and my relationship with my daughter, and I did share this in the Patreon group that for me, it is the best way for me to make amends is living amends mm -hmm. and to just be better and do better. And love her as she is and where she is and my grandson. And that's, that's kind of all I can do because she is not, she's not in a place where if I made a direct amends, that would, you know, you're not supposed to injure your, your yourself or others or, and it would, I think it would be very damaging. It just would bring up too much stuff for her. And I don't, she's not ready. So has she ever expressed the ways in which she's been harmed as a child? Like, has she ever had those conversations with you? The last time that I visited her was the first time I have ever heard her say anything about it. Um, and she mentioned something about survival skills and <sighs> this is not a judgment. This is, this is just my observation. Yeah. She has said to me over the years, I hate that Al-Anon bullshit because mm. she, she wanted to be able to be mad at her dad mm -hmm. for doing things, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, you, know, you feel the way you feel and that's, that's your stuff. Um, I used to think that I could be her higher power. Mm. <laughs> I was going to like bring home uh, pamphlets and, you know, all the little flyers and, you know, do you live with an alcoholic? Is your parent, does your, does your parent <laughs> drink too much? Um, but, you know, I know she has a higher power and it's not me. Mm -hmm. She is, she likes to read books. Mm -hmm. And I think she thinks that she can just read herself to sobriety slash serenity. Mm -hmm. I think that might've changed a bit though, because I think she, I don't know all the details, um, but I think she and uh, my husband's nephew did some kind of an intervention for her dad. Um, and he had to be medically detoxed. Mm. So I think she, I think she has a little bit better understanding, but I don't know if she has a great understanding about the ways in which it has profoundly affected her and not just her, but the way she raises her grandchild. I mean, my grandchild, her child. Mm -hmm. And oh God, it, it terrifies me. Mm -hmm. It terrifies me. But what can I do? I mean, not a damn thing. All I can do is let him know that I love him. But fucking A, I see. I see her relationship with her partner. And I see the way she relates to him and he relates to her and how they relate to their son. 
Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, it it reminds I'm the fucking model. I mean, like I modeled some of that shit. Mm-hmm. And that is so hard to know, like as a parent that I, you know, even a step parent, whatever. Um, it's not all me. Her mother, birth mother, her mom, with, she has a relationship with her mom, but her mom was an addict. Mm-hmm. That's how we got custody of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, she comes from a long line of, of addicts and alcoholics. Mm-hmm. But I guess, honestly, the most important thing that I've learned in Al-Anon and from, from the Patreon group or any, any meeting that I've ever been to, and I've, I, 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 we go to lots of open AA meetings too, <laughs> <laughs> is that it's a journey, not a destination. Mm-hmm. And that I can, I can have happiness. I can have a good life. And, um, and I fucking hate to feel the feelings <laughs> that is, that's my big takeaway. I hate doing it. I hate it. I, I will. And, and I know, I know intellectually, I know that the pain is in the holding on and that there is relief in the release. It just, it just feels so terrifying because I have stuffed this shit for so long so it feels like if I just let a little bubble out, it's going to be like fucking popping a champagne cork and it's just going to be like this. But the meditation that I did the other night, which I know you said you didn't really like Sarah Blondin's voice. Is it what what, what is it about her voice? that It's you don't just like? a little too like, is that really what she sounds? You know, it's just like, oh, you know, it's, it's like just some like, kind of actory kind of voice. Yeah, no, I mean, what she says is good, but it's just like, uh, it's like a little, you know what I mean? Like, it's like the over-enunciate, you know what I mean? Like, Yes, it feels like an affectation. Yes. Yes, yes. There are some other uh, people on there that I don't like either. I don't like the way they pause between the words. I'm like, oh my God, is this like a porn thing? I found for myself, and like, I don't know what this says about me, but like, sometimes I have an easier time with male voices in meditation because yes. you feel like it's less like that. Yeah, agreed, mm-hmm. agreed. Oh my God, there's a, a Scottish guy. He's great. I love him. Most of the most of the male voices that I like are either Aussie, English, or, um, or Scottish. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you remember that? I think I shared that in the Patreon group that um, that's my weird quirk. That's my weird fucking quirk. When I talk to myself in my head, I do it with an English accent. That's amazing. You're even weirder than I thought you were. <laughs> Have you thought about some other groups? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and also, this is this is a talent, a rare talent, and I bet nobody else in the group can do it. I, I can mirror write. I can write forwards and backwards at the same time. Wow. It's bizarre. How do we, what do we do with this? Uh, how do we make some money? Off of this? I don't, I know. Oh, I don't know how to monetize that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I could do like live TikToks. Like, oh, join the live and then tell me your name and I'll write it forwards and back. Yeah. Can we do a fundraiser? <laughs> I love it. Oh. Uh, Yeah. So what I just want to say that I think is like most profound about you and so important in your message today is, um, I think that you've, you've found a place of, um, of non-judgment with yourself. Like I hear you 
and I know you have shame, but I hear you taking responsibility for the ways in which, you know, you may have harmed others, but also at the same time, having a lot of compassion for yourself and like realizing that it's not because you're a shit ass. No, exactly. I am not a shit ass. And that's really like a, that's really what I hope to, you know, portray through the podcast is like, it's okay. It's okay that we did all these things. Like, yeah, we have to take responsibility, but like, we're not bad people and we don't have to feel ashamed about it. And it's just part of our journey, you know? Exactly. That to me is, that's such a huge message that you don't, uh, you, not only do you not have to feel guilt, although, I mean, you know, if that's your thing, you want to castigate yourself, okie dokie, but, but you, maybe you did some bad things. Maybe you made some mistakes. Maybe you hurt some people, but that isn't who you are at the core. It yeah. isn't who it's, it's, it's what you did. It isn't who you are. It doesn't make you who you are. Um, my mom is so funny. She, uh, she talks about like when I was a kid, um, I don't really remember this. Honestly, my group therapy, my therapist asked the other day, like, what's your first memory as a kid? And shit, I was like six or seven. I don't remember a lot of things when I was little. I think I have suppressed a lot of things. Um, but she's like, when you were little, you were always just so happy. You were just happy and joyful. You were not a crying baby. You were just a bubbly little chubbers. I was a fat kid. <laughs> Um, and I had dimples and I was fucking adorable. Um, <laughs> and just ask me. Um, but she's like, then, you know, of course, over the course of growing up, going through life, getting beat down, living with an alcoholic. But then now in my recovery journey, she's like, I feel like you're getting back to that sunny little Robin. Mm. And that makes me so happy. It makes it makes me cry. Um, it's not, it's not fucking easy. It is not fucking easy. It is really, really difficult to look at ourselves and look at the ways in which we have fucked up or harmed people or whatever, but, but it's okay. And I think it's, that's the, the the beauty of the Patreon group is that we can all be super vulnerable and, you know, um, and super raw, (laughs) um, and, and we get it and nobody shames anybody. And Mm -hmm. that is, that's the, that's how we learn. And that's how we, I mean, it's just the same as Al-Anon or AA, where we share our experience, strength, and hope. And, and we hold space for each other. And that's just so, so awesome. And I'm so grateful that that I heard you on um, on Spencer's podcast. It was speaking of weird voices. God, I hated his voice when I first started listening to the recovery <laughs> show, but now I find it very soothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a big blubber baby. I'm so grateful our paths have crossed too. Okay, three things that you like about yourself. Three things that I like about myself. Um, I have a really good memory. I am excellent at accents. <laughs> and I'm quick-witted. Love it. Hope or dream for the future? Oh, my hope or dream for the future. I would love to 
get financially on my feet better and and buy my own house by my own because I'm living with my sister right now. So I would like to own my own home before I die. Well, you know what I think the ticket to that is? Your handwriting thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, let's monetize that shit. Go, baby. <laughs> Take I'm really on the super road. curious. You should do. You should do. Um, like maybe do a theme at, at during the Patreon group on mm-hmm. one of the days, and have everybody say like what their secret talent is. Yeah, I want, we should do a talent show for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i love absolutely. that yeah i want to do weird shit like that all the time i want to do a show and tell one day too where people oh that would be fun wouldn't that be fun no body parts though no <laughs> and let's not do truth or dare or never have i ever <laughs> well thank you service member you're the shit you're not the shit ass but you're the shit not the shit ass but i am the shit yeah well that wraps up shit show saturday as always Sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups. And it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod. And give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.